0: is airing on Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Hello everyone, it's Shannon back with you on a Tuesday morning episode, which also happens to be Brooke's birthday. So happy birthday to Brooke, who has been presenting with us. It will be four years in just a couple months. So today I have an author interview with Annabelle Monahan, who wrote Nora Goes Off Script, which came out earlier this year. Um, If you're looking for a lighthearted women's fiction slash romance author to check out, I highly recommend you give this interview a listen. And then I have a few new releases to tell you about. And please bear in mind that this will be your last new release episode of 2022, because December is a mine of like a minefield of Christmas and Hanukkah books and I just find it very very difficult to find a ton of new releases to tell you about each week. So if you are looking for some December stuff to check out definitely pay attention to our most anticipated releases of December which just aired this past Friday and that will give you a bit of information on what you can look forward to. So let's move into the usual housekeeping information followed by the interview. And then I'll be back to talk with you about this week's new books. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the Book Bistro Podcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon. And today I am talking with author Annabelle Monahan about her novel, Nora Goes Off Script. If you listened to our most anticipated releases of June episode, you'll remember that Sarah um, highlighted this one, but this is scheduled to release in the U.S. on June 7th. Annabelle, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: You are very welcome. So can we start with a little bit of an introduction to Nora goes off script so that if people haven't either read the blurb or heard um, Sarah's description of the book when she highlighted it for our um, most anticipated releases of June episode so that people have a bit of an idea what they can expect.
1: So sure. Um, Nora Goes Off Script is about a made for TV romance screenwriter. So think the Hallmark Channel. Um, Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think we're all familiar. Um, Who has been supporting her family for a decade um, by writing these movies. But her husband leaves her and she decides to write a more serious screenplay about their divorce. And. That ends up being um, filmed on location at her house. And she falls in love with the man who plays her husband in the movie. Oh,
0: oh, Mm. (laughs) now, (laughs) not the actual husband, sort of like the the stand in for the husband. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yes. So he's, you know, he's read the script, so he knows all about her before he gets to know her. Because she's written a movie about her marriage and her divorce. And they end up having a relationship and then a bunch of other things happen.
0: Yes, as as they do in the world of fiction. Yes. So is this your debut?
1: This is my adult debut. So they call it my debut. I've written two novels um, for young adults. Uh, Um, A a Girl Named Digit and Double Digit about a teenage math genius who works with the FBI. Um, Completely different sorts of things. Um, But I am getting a late start in writing fiction for adults.
0: It's always interesting to me, you know, when people are published in either one market or one genre and then they move to another and it's like so-and-so's debut novel. And I'm like, wait, I think... I think I've seen this name before. Like how? And I'm just always very confused because I think of debut as like, you know, someone who's never been published. And then I'm like, wait, but they have just not in this particular arena. Yeah,
1: no, I I don't I don't think that people are, are used to you doing that. Although I have to say, this does feel, I've been writing for a long time and I've written a lot of things, but this does feel very much like my debut. Um, I, you know, I've never had a publisher pay so much attention to me and who, you know, give so much support behind this book. This feels, this feels very much like it's the first time I'm doing this thing. So it's, it's really been wonderful.
0: So do you find any differences just in sort of the, um, like the publication process for YA versus adult then? Or do you think it's just kind of a matter of like working with different people, working with different publishers that would kind of happen no matter what market you were writing in?
1: I, I think it's I think it's basically about the publishers. Um, although I have to say, um, I, I do think that there, there's a different feeling when you're marketing something to adults rather than when you're marketing things to children. I feel a little funny selling things to children. So I always was more comfortable talking to their parents and saying, they your your children might like this book that I wrote.
0: Ah, uh-huh. It's weird to
1: say, you know, uh, to a 13 year old girl, you know, I'd like your $15 for this book. I, I, there's something about it that feels funny to me. I think I'm more comfortable marketing to adults.
0: I've often wondered that just kind of in like the YA author space, you know, how that how that marketing works. Like, do people tend to market more toward like librarians and like parents or educators? Because, right, like generally kids, um, you know, I I didn't necessarily go out and like buy my own books when I was a kid. You know, when I got older, I did, but not when I was. You know, twelve or thirteen, like people bought books for me. I could tell people like what I wanted, and they would buy them. Right. But I didn't, you know, go out and say, "Oh, I think, you know, I'm going to buy this and this and this." Um, there's probably a good reason for that. My family would have very likely been bankrupt had I decided that I was just going to go out and buy like whatever books I wanted to have.
1: That's right. And I think it would lived... have. <laughs> you know,
0: this digit came
1: out ten years ago and there was a lovely review and spread in Seventeen Magazine. And that was ah, yes. me, because when I was a kid, we read Seventeen Magazine. And I think now, um, you know, they would be marketing through TikTok and, you know, several other things that I completely don't understand. So I, I think that probably happens differently now.
0: I think the whole sort of like publication process has changed with the advent of social media and you know, podcasts and online reviews. Um, I feel like, you know, when I was paying a lot of attention to books, like in, you know, my like teenage years and early adulthood, like you couldn't find out about new books nearly as easily as you can now.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it's it's so easy to find to find exactly what you want to read, too, because whatever the algorithm is, it it picks up um, what you've already read and what you're interested in and people you're following on int- Instagram. Um, it's it's a very high tech way of getting you exactly the exactly the book you want.
0: Yes. And it's amazing because, like, you know, you're it takes a certain amount of the guesswork out of it. Yep. Um, you know, and, and some of that guesswork I enjoyed, you know, like I, I discovered a lot of things that way that I might not have. But it does, I don't know, like almost simplify the process in a certain way.
1: Yeah. The, the people that I find actually fascinating are the bookstagrammers on Instagram. Um, they, you know, they give a book review and they do some sort of creative visual with the book cover. And I swear each of these is more creative than the last. I saw one this morning where this woman recreated the cover of my book with her family. Oh, it is the most adorable thing I think I've ever seen. And she has her husband standing. I don't know if you can picture the book cover, but she has her husband standing off in the distance in front of a shed, drinking a cup of coffee the way my hero is on the cover of my book. I mean, they go to so much trouble and they have so much fun with it. It's, it's really fun.
0: I think that's super cool that people are creative in that way. Um, Instagram in and of itself is kind of a non-starter for me, um, mostly because it is very visual. And my podcast is, I don't know if you know, made up of women who are all, Um, either totally blind or visually impaired. So Instagram in and of itself has become sort of an inaccessible platform in that way.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yes, because if you can't see pictures, right, then Instagram, it doesn't rely on words in a lot of ways. And so like, it's, it's very hard to kind of break into that into that space and really understand what people are doing there.
1: Right, right, that makes a lot of sense, and hence the podcast. Yes. perfect, perfectly yes. to be.
0: So what kind of prompted you to write Nora Goes Off Script when you had been you know, in that like YA market um, before that? Like what was sort of the thing that made you say, oh, I think you know, I'm going to write a book for adults?
1: You know, I don't know if I decided to write a book for ad- adults as much as I um, started thinking about Nora. I um, I was stuck in bed for a little while in 2019, and I started watching the Hallmark Channel. And I watched one episode and then the next and then the next. And I'd watch, you know, two or three or four at a time. And I was thinking to myself, like, w- didn't I just see this one? Like, isn't this the same movie that i saw two movies (laughs) ago but like the last time they were outside chicago and she had a cupcake store and this time they're in akron it was just slightly like everyone was slightly different and i i just became fascinated by you know these shiny small towns and the absolutely crazy ways that people made money um and eventually i started waiting until the credits to see who wrote the movie because I was curious, um, is it, you know, one guy writing all these movies or were they being written, you know, by in like in a corporate structure around a conference room table in New Jersey? Like how how are these movies all getting written, you know, the same movie over and over again? And so I started to daydream a little bit about a, um, a romance channel screenwriter who had actually never been in love. So she writes these movies. She knows there's a formula. It's just plug and chug to get them done. And I thought, wouldn't it be fun to run her through like a big lightning bolt romance and see how she would really react to an actual love affair?
0: Ah, okay. That, I think, is fascinating because I I have wondered that about Hallmark, like who who writes these Hallmark Lifetime like a lot of those channels that have movies, you know, that are slightly different, like the plots aren't exactly the same, but they kind of hit the same notes. I've often yeah. wondered, like, who who writes these?
1: <laughs> no, if you actually want, like, I, I was watching these and I figured out that at minute 108 out of 120 minutes, the guy always leaves to go back to the big city. And then he comes back immediately after the commercial break. I mean, the the movies are very, very perfectly timed. So I just thought, like, is this ah. a scientist making these movies, or <laughs> what, what's going on? Um, and so that's what, that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see if I could have sort of a skeptical romance screenwriter, and if she fell madly in love, would she suddenly have a different perspective on this, or would she understand what she'd been writing about all the time?
0: I think that's fascinating because, you know, we picture people who write either romance novels or romance movies. Like you always like to think that the people who are writing these things actually, you know, know some of what they're writing about. Like it's it just seems, I don't know, to feel sort of warmer that way. And yet I'm pretty sure that a lot of people write either movies or books you know based on things that they imagine rather than things that they actually you know have experienced for themselves so i think that is a really cool way of kind of you know peeling back some of those layers of like who you know who is creating these things and what if the people who are creating them are not kind of the people that we imagine right and
1: and honestly i mean i would like to meet the person who has a relationship that's as simple as any of these relationships. I mean ah, yes. they're complicated. They're you yeah. know, you bring in other people and you bring in jobs yeah. and people get sick. You know, there's all sorts of things. It's complicated.
0: It is. And yet, you know, in a lot of movies, I think especially, I think books sometimes flesh out some of the complications like more than more than in movies. But in movies it does seem to be like relatively simplistic. Yes. And that has not been my
1: experience in relationships.
0: I would agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. So when you actually sat down and wrote this, like the character of Nora, you know, kind of came to you, kind of inspired by this. But then, like, did it feel vastly different creating an adult character instead of this, um, you know, kind of YA, like younger character?
1: Yes, it did. Um, and I, I I felt like I needed to be a little bit more honest in creating this character. You know, if I, Digit is a 17-year-old girl and a 17-year-old girl is is very focused on herself and her friends and what she's doing. And a grown woman, a single mother with two children has a lot of responsibilities and all of the decisions that she makes with regard to her love life And, you know, every charge she puts on her credit card affects her children and their future and her life. Um, So I I feel like I had I had to bring a lot more of um, what I know about being an adult and the choices I make um, into writing a a character who's an adult. It it was actually there's so much to it that in a sense, it's easier to write because you don't have to make up filler. right? Right. If you're a woman, if you're a single mother and you bring the sexiest man alive into your house to have a relationship with you, there's a lot of stuff
0: that's going to come from that. I would imagine so. Yes.
1: Yes. And it ratchets up the tension a little bit because it's not just that she's going to get her heart broken. It's that her children are going to get their hearts broken as well. You know, they're a little bit higher.
0: Right. It doesn't only affect you when you have other people who are depending on you, you know, in the way that you would if you had children. Right. I do not have children. I have cats. So that, you know, makes the uh, the stakes, you know, not not quite so high.
1: Yeah, but you can't just leave your cats for a month.
0: No, no, you can't. Right. No, it's still. No, you can't. <laughs> Especially when one of them is almost 17. No, you don't go off on like long, fancy trips and Abandon the kitty cats oh
1: my goodness
0: (laughs) so now that you have written Nora goes off script and it is almost in the world we are recording this just a day ahead of your um, publication day what do you kind of see for yourself next like do you plan to stay in the adult space or do you think you'll kind of move back and forth between the two no i think i'll stay i think i'll stay
1: i think that i it took me a long time to get ready to write for adults um and now that i have i i think that i'll stay um i've actually just am just finishing now another novel it's a love story uh, about a woman who's a bit younger and isn't a mother um she's 30 um and that takes place at the beach it's another summer read um and i do i do love exploring real relationships and um looking at real relationships in the context of of a family and in the context of your parents and and all of the expectations that you have for yourselves um so yeah i think i think that i'm staying in the adult space
0: that is awesome. I I love YA. I read a lot of YA, but I think sometimes you know it is nice to kind of go a little bit deeper than some of the YA books can. Yep. And actually, you know, explore some of those issues that aren't that aren't relevant to teenagers,
1: right? Right. I
0: think YA has made amazing strides just over the past, you know, even 20 years. But it still is and is intended to be, um, you know, marketed for a group of people who don't have or shouldn't have those you know, big responsibilities.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, they're dealing with such huge things. Yes. You know, and I, I, you know, I don't want to diminish the experience of a teenager because those are probably some of the biggest feelings I've ever had. And if you take a teenager and, you know, give her a bow and arrow and she has to save the world, um, like the Hunger Games, like I think yes. I a better backdrop for drama and, you know, exploring the world than that. Um, but it's just it's just different.
0: It is, I think, very different. And as we as adults, you know, lead different lives than we imagined that we would when we were teenagers, you know, looking for sort of those experiences that we find in in YA novels. Yeah. At least, I guess I should say, my life is very different than what I thought it would be, you know, when I was 15 or 16, trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do and, you know, what my life would look like.
1: I sort of thought I'd grow up to be Madonna and I don't sing or dance. Uh, oh, I was just
0: going to say, how did that work?
1: I don't know. But when I, was, <laughs> when I was 13, Madonna was the thing. And I got a perm so my hair could look like hers. And I just, I, I really tried. I thought that was who I was going to grow up and be. Um, oh, and
0: well. You know what? It's okay the way it worked out. Th- that's good. Yeah, that's think, good. I'm glad you don't, like, mourn your... um lack of of madonna-ness yes
1: no i don't i don't think i have one ounce of madonna in me But it was a fun (laughs) little dream while it lasts
0: well you know people like want to be actresses and and singers and all kinds of things so i think you know we some of us obviously grow up to do those things and some of us don't and either way that that's fine yeah so what kind of things do you read either like while you're writing or just sort of in general, like when you're writing, do you try to read things that are the opposite of the things that you write or do you still read kind of within your, your genre?
1: Mm, That's such a good question. Um, I actually, when I'm writing, I find it very confusing to read in my genre. Uh, Ah. And I, because I, I, the rhythm of someone else's story will confuse me, and I um, I would hate to to like subconsciously replicate something. Oh yes, but, um, I I do read my genre, but my go to is you know uh, English people murdering each other in the countryside. You know those okay. kind of. I love that kind of book. And I can't write that kind of book. I actually don't have any skills for putting together a thriller or a um, or a murder mystery. I I get silly when I try to do that. (laughs) Um, But I do love I love to read those stories. Um, And I just think it's because it gives me a break from my own mind and my own work because it's just so totally different.
0: I am a big fan of reading thrillers like the, you know, the darker thrillers. Um, I don't gravitate as much toward like the the cozy mysteries that are out there, but I've always thought, you know, I don't know that I could come up with all of the, the things that you'd have to come up with to write a book like that and make it something that people could actually like believe in and, you know, fall into.
1: Well, you, you really have to be a planner, right? Yes. You have to be leaving the breadcrumbs all along. um, And I don't write like that. So I just I do love to read those books and I love to try to imagine how they were written and what that person was thinking of at the time. Um, But I just I don't write that way. That's probably why I like them so much.
0: So what have you read recently that you think the world should know about?
1: Uh, Currently published or coming out soon? Either either okay the, the best thing i've read in a really long time is called the matchmakers gift by linda cohen loigman and that is coming oh. in september did you read the two family house or the i
0: read sisters? the wartime sisters i own the two family house um, oh. but i have not read it yet but i love I loved
1: the, the yes. wartime sisters um, I definitely read The Two Family House, but The Matchmaker's Gift is actually her best book. And um, I got to read that early, which was a thrill. And that's coming out in September.
0: Early copies of books are like one of the best things.
1: Well, yes, but then you feel like you don't have anybody to talk to them about. Like, as soon as I ah. book, I want <laughs> to call all my friends and say, have you read this? Uh, but nobody's read it yet. So It's true. Come September, I'm going to be really excited to talk to people about it.
0: I always, I paid a lot of attention to books that are coming out, you know, and like books that are like a little ways out still. And I'm always looking like, okay, like this is coming out. And I'll be like, wow, you know, I read this like several months ago and it's, it's finally coming out. Like finally the rest of the world can discover it. And it just always makes me really happy to kind of know what's in store for people.
1: Yes, yes, it's like you've you've got the good news that you can share, yes,
0: yeah, like, oh, you know, this is coming out, and I've read it, and it was you know so good because of like this reason, and that reason, it's just I don't know, I think early copies are like one of the things that I love best about what I do now,
1: yeah. The other oh, one just I just amazing. read. Um, have you read Love and Saffron by Kim Fey? Kim
0: Faye, yes. I interviewed her um for the podcast, and so I did read Love and Saffron. Um, and it was just a a delightful um quick read that it was just like the right book for the like for that exact moment that I read it. It, oh, exactly.
1: And I, unfortunately I read it on an airplane, so I Ooh. was enjoying that delightful experience. And then I found myself sobbing as we were landing. Oh ah, yeah. Uh, it really, I that book just, I was like, Oh, this is so lovely. This is so, and then it just got me right in the gut. Yeah. Uh, but it was just such a fun, um, a fun way to tell a story. And, uh, I just, I loved it.
0: And I love a lot of what people are doing now, like bringing, food there are so many food themed books out right now and it just yes wow you have not seen all the wonderful food books no where have I been I I don't know I, I gotta get on like like what like so depending um like there's a lot of like food romance um there is a phenomenal book that came out the end of 2020 that's the chicken sisters by kj delantonia i have read that that is fantastic oh yes that and her new one is coming out in july i'm super excited for it i know i can't Um, wait um but there's just like so much that like uses food or drinks there's that you know kind of gives it that like extra element yeah of like sparkle um, there's a lot of like British food mysteries, coffee house mysteries. Really? I've gotta I've gotta get on this.
1: Because yeah, you think that you're trying to stimulate people's senses and emotions when you're writing a book. Yes. Um, and why not why not use that one too? You know, why aren't why right. people's stomachs rumbling?
0: You can find like, you know, some books that have like all the recipes for the stuff that they mention. Um, There's an urban fantasy series that I read and the author has apparently released a cookbook with all of her cupcake recipes in it. How fun. Yes. And so that makes me super happy because every time I read her, I like desperately want cake. (laughs) (laughs) And so (laughs) apparently if you find this cookbook, you can not only have cake, but have like the cake that, you know, is in the various books.
1: Oh, I love that. That just feels like they're taking it all to the next level.
0: Yes. Yes. And I think if you have like if you have the ability to do that, I think that's that's impressive. Obviously, it's not something that works like for every book or every series. But depending on what you're writing, like if you can find that kind of extra hook. Yeah, um, I just I, I think it works so, so well.
1: My family are food people. My, my family, Ah. like my grandfather was a butcher and my uncle was a fishmonger. And so our family will gather for dinner and we talk about food for two hours while we're eating. And I am not that into food. So I always like, I I always am trying to change the subject. Um, (laughs) And when I started reading Love and Saffron, I thought, Oh dear Lord, like, is this going to the whole thing going to be about food? But it was done in such a way that it sucked me in because the food, it, it, it like seeped into the story.
0: Right. It's not kind of the the thing that builds the story, but it is kind of this like almost like backdrop that the story is set against. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, thought I it think was it can complete.
0: work even if you're not necessarily like a huge food person. Yes. Um, it can just work so well. Because regardless of whether, you know, you love food or you don't, like we all have to eat it. We do. We do. You know, there's there's just no way around that yet. Um, you know, I read a lot of like sci fi and all kinds of stuff where people are talking about, you know, ways that they've made food sort of like unnecessary. I'm like, Oh, I I wonder how that would be.
1: That would be terrible terrible. I mean, that's one of the, you know, the great pleasures of of life. If, if we took a pill to, to get full, that would be
0: terrible. And there, I find it fascinating how creative people are about like the ways in which they could make food unnecessary. Like, I think there's just so much great stuff that exists in people's minds. And that is one of the best things about books, just to see like all the, all the possibilities, even if, they're, you know, kind of outlandish and fantastical, like just what exists in people's minds. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's it. I mean, that's the whole reason we read, right. Is to get inside someone else's mind. It's see true. What lies there.
0: Well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking time just ahead of your release day to chat with me and to let listeners know a little bit about who you are as a person and a writer um, before I let you dash off, can you let listeners know the best place to find you online?
1: Uh, sure. And thank you so much for having me here today. I, well, you're uh, welcome. Yeah, I really I've really enjoyed this. I, I forgot we were on a podcast at some point. <laughs> uh, I just thought we were having lunch. Uh, <laughs> with no food. Yes, with no food. What kind of life is this? <laughs> Uh, I am at annabellemonahan.com, and I'm uh, at Annabelle Monaghan on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.
0: Perfect. It Again, this on. has this has been a discussion with author Annabelle Monahan about her upcoming novel. Nora Goes Off Script, which is scheduled to release on June 7th. All right. New books. So I have a couple of things to talk about that you've heard us mention before. Um, The first one is Angels of the Resistance by Noel Salazar. This is historical fiction that Christine mentioned on our most anticipated releases of November. Then we move to a December release, which is one of my most anticipated releases. This is The Vibrant Years by Sonali Dev with a foreword by Mindy Kaling and this comes out this coming thursday so december 1st now these are books that you haven't heard us previously mention. the first one is a world of curiosities chief inspector gamache book 18 by louise penny these are sometimes called cozy mysteries by people sometimes Darker Cosies. Um I have read a couple of them, but I'm not nearly current with the series. So, I'm not the best person to ask, but I know so many people who love this series, and I am personally a fan of Penny's writing no matter what she writes. Like I get her newsletter even though I'm not caught up with the series because I think she just has such a beautiful way with words even in something like a newsletter. So if you love her writing and you are caught up on the series, then you're probably ready for this one. It's A World of Curiosities, Chief Inspector Gamache, book 18 by Louise Penny. We also have a new Kimberly Bell book out this week. This is The Personal Assistant. It is about the assistant, imagine that, of a mommy blogger who goes missing. I have loved so many Kimberly Bell books and I'm always excited for a new one. So this is one that I will definitely be hopefully getting my hands on pretty soon. If not pretty soon, I'll be waiting. Um, I have a hold on it at my public library, but that list is very long, so we'll see if I like hold out. This one is The Personal Assistant by Kimberly Bell. We then have the new Holly Jackson. This is Five Survive. Holly Jackson came onto my radar with A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, which was a kind of trilogy about a true crime podcast, and now she is doing a standalone thriller about a group of friends who go off on a road trip in an RV. The RV breaks down, and that's not good, and now these teenagers are forced to survive. This is Five Survive by Holly Jackson. We then have Such a Beautiful Family. This is by T.R. Reagan. I have not read her, but I know that Brooke has and Natalia has, and I think Christine has as well. This is a novel about perfect lives and hidden secrets. This is Such a Beautiful Family by T.R. Reagan. We also have You Can Hide. This is Laurel Snow, book two, by Rebecca Zanetti. Mika talked about the first book in this series, which I think is called You Can Run, um, either earlier this year or toward the end of last year. So this is um, an FBI agent solving crimes. Rebecca Zanetti writes all over the romance genre, romantic suspense. paranormal, post-apocalyptic, kind of sci-fi. She's got all kinds of stuff, so definitely check her out. This one is You Can Hide, Laurel Snow, book two, by Rebecca Zneddy. I want to move now into just a bit of romance. We have a historical romance out this week, the latest from Eloisa James. This is The Reluctant Countess would-be Wallflower's book two. I have to say that I have never read an Eloisa James. Um, I'm a very bad romance person. It's okay, I'm aware of it. Um, I have a bunch of them on my TBR pile, like things that I keep meaning to read, but I never have. Partly, to be very honest with you, it has to do with the audio narrator that usually narrates the commercial copies of her books. Um, She has just this odd way of whispering sometimes that is really hard for me to deal with. So I keep meaning to read her and I just never have. But I know a lot of people who have and a lot of people who love her a lot. And so I do like to mention her here. This is The Reluctant Countess Would-Be Wallflowers, book two by Eloisa James. And if you are looking for... A little bit more of a YA romance. Then we have A Thousand Heartbeats by Kira Cass. You may recognize this name. Kira Cass wrote the Fantastic Selection series, and she is back now with a new royal romance. Although this one looks like a standalone, um, it does not appear to be set in the world of the Selection. But that's okay because she does a phenomenal job with pretty much everything she writes, so definitely check this out. It is A Thousand Heartbeats by Kira Kass. And we have a couple of fantasy titles to round off today. Thorn-Kissed and Silver Chains. This is World of Honey and Ice, book one by Shannon Mayer and Kelly St. Clair. This is is a spin-off of The Court of Honey and Ash, I think, um, which was a series about the Fae. I think Brooke has read some of it. Um, I know that we have some listeners who have also read this series. I am a big Shannon Mayer fan when she writes kind of urban fantasy on her own. I have never read anything that she's co-written with someone, although there is no reason why i wouldn't i just haven't gotten around to it yet but this one is thorn kissed and silver chains world of honey and ice book one by shannon mayer and kelly st Clair. we then have saint world of the narrows book one by adrian young adrian young has written so many things she came out not too long ago with spells for forgetting which is a big like fantasy novel contemporary fantasy magical realism kind of things like that Um, but this one looks more along the lines of like fable and some of the ya fantasy that she's written in the past so this is saint world of the narrows book one by adrian young And lastly, we have A Wilderness of Stars. This is a standalone by Shay Earnshaw. She wrote Long Live the Pumpkin Queen not that long ago. I'm a big fan of pumpkin, so that makes me happy. But this one, A Wilderness of Stars, is about a teenage astrologer who goes on a perilous journey to find the cure to a mysterious illness. And I'm guessing somehow the stars guide her, given that she is an astrologer and there are stars in the title. But that part is just a guess because, well, I haven't read this yet. This is A Wilderness of Stars by Shay Earnshaw. And that, my friends, is all I have for you in terms of this week's new releases. I hope you had an enjoyable holiday if Thanksgiving is a thing that you celebrate. If it's not, then I hope you had a fantastic week and will continue to stay safe, warm, healthy, and of course, well read.